What is up and welcome in to another edition of Talk and Flock, a full mingle podcast where we discuss everything going on with your forward Madison FC. We being myself, Jeremy Rushing, and as always, the co-host for the Esteem podcast from Madison 365. It's Rob Chapel. Rob, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I can't complain. Weather's been nice. Got a, we can, you know, we got a win to talk about. And then there was another match that happened that, you know, <laughs> just sort of forget. I, I don't even remember what happened, to be honest. So uh, maybe we'll just gloss over that on this podcast. But I think um, that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. A very big win. So that's a, that's a positive. That's a, that's a positive. And uh, I, I'm glad we can talk about that one. And then maybe, just maybe we we spend a few seconds talking about the uh, the other match that happened this week. But before we do all of that, I uh, want to let you know that uh, you are tuned into episode 40, the big 4-0. Uh, <laughs> we finally reached it, despite what all the haters thought. Finally reached episode 40. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please do. If you haven't left us a rating and review, please do as well. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talk and Flock. Um, doing things a little bit different this week with our interview. Usually we have, you know, a coach or a player or somebody involved with the club, mm-hmm. uh, definitely something soccer related. Uh, we're taking a different approach this week. Um, obviously a lot of important things happening off the pitch and we're going to have state Senator Melissa Agard on um, to discuss sort of the implications of the overturning of Roe versus Wade as it pertains to the state of Wisconsin and the, 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 fight that they're fighting right now to make sure that people in the state, uh, you know, can trying to uh, make sure that they can have access to, you know, mm-hmm. safe reproductive care, basically, um, yeah. which is weird that we're in this decision that seems like, a, you know, a, one of those inalienable rights that to talk about in the Constitution. But we are here and Melissa Agard is, is fighting the good fight and she is mm-hmm. uh, talking very much about it on uh on the podcast this week so that's coming up in a little bit rob any color you want to add uh to preview the interview before we get to the soccer um, <clears throat> only that that uh you know some things are bigger than soccer and uh yeah. the the soccer world and the professional sports world all stepped up on friday and uh, you know statements are one thing you know so, but uh you know but everybody had a lot to say and, and those clubs and those leagues that didn't, that chose not to say anything or, or chose to stumble through the wrong statement as stood out. Uh, yeah, they, they stood out. So, um, uh, and, and we, we are, we have a platform, you know, and it's, it's, it's easy for us guys to ignore that sort of thing. It's easy for us to check out and decide that that's, that's not a, applicable to us. We don't have to talk about it. We don't like to talk about it, but that's exactly why we should. So that's why, I, that's why we wanted to have, uh, State Senator Melissa Eggard on, and she was good enough to talk uh, with us. And she has a she has a bold prediction for the four Madison versus during the Colorado game at the end of that interview. So stay tuned for that. Love that. She's also probably way more qualified to talk about this topic than we are, Rob. I don't think else to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. You right. and I try to uh, you know understand what it's like uh, yes. for you know for females and and everybody going through this uh this time so um she paints the picture very very good interview coming up a little bit later on in the show but before we get to that we will talk about the soccer um and before we get to the matches some news coming up as usl league one signed a 10-year deal with legends now lots of vague businessy language but it seems to me that that the usl you know this is sort of a with a 10-year deal 
Um, yeah. He's planning for some big things in the future. Can you add any more to this, Rob? Um, well, yeah, I, I put that in the notes wrong. It's actually USL, not just not just League One. It's the whole USL okay. that is yep. that and this ten-year deal with Legends, which is an experiences firm. I don't know what that means, but they're going to be providing. Um, they're hoping to raise the local profile of the teams, uh, stadium planning, development operations, uh, technology, digital solutions, audience insights, all that kind of stuff to develop the business side of USL. Uh, USL just next over the next five years is adding 25 more teams when, when you when you add in That's the crazy. W League, the Super League, the USL League One expansion that we know is coming, the USL Championship expansion that's coming. This is growing so fast. And when they're looking at putting money in the stadiums, they're looking at aligning with the European game, with the global game. Um, it just seems like there's they have they, they have some very big plans, right? We, we talked last yep. year about the promotion relegation plans, about the USL Cup plans about the shifting the schedule plans i i have to think in you know at the end of the 10 years we might be talking about a premier division uh, yeah. so i mean they're, they're it just it just signals to i don't I, like you said there's a lot of businessy language in here innovative partnership synergy buzzword buzzword but the fact is it, it looks it, it they're looking very ambitious which i think is is really good to see and it's USL understanding that they have an opportunity here, right? And whether yeah. that opportunity is, hey, we just want to grow the the second and third divisions of soccer in this country, or as you mentioned, maybe they do want to have a premier division that at some level competes with MLS, um, you know, for top tier talent, um, you know, things like that. Um, maybe USL develops the promotion relegation structure and MLS stays that sort of corporate, you know, American sportsy league, league, right? (laughs) Um, You know, that to me, I think would be kind of the best of both worlds, having both options and obviously cup competitions where the teams can sort of intermingle and, and, and play each other. So, um, but it'll be very interesting to see, as you mentioned, Rob, 10 years from now, what kind of USL we're talking about and just what kind of American soccer landscape we're talking about. And obviously deals like this make it seem like USL sort of understands the assignment, if you will. And mm-hmm. uh, are, are are taking a big swing, so that's that's awesome to see. And um, as as more stadium, you know, as more teams get soccer specific stadiums in mm-hmm. USL and things like that, I have to imagine this this deal with Legends will play a big part in in making sure that more teams have that opportunity and they do it the right way. So yep, yep. Um, very interested to see where this goes moving forward. But let's narrow it down now. It's talking about the Mingos at Forward Madison and Thursday. It was the home Henny Derby against Richmond, arguably the biggest Henny Derby there has been. It was the 10th meeting between the two teams. Yep. But as far as placement in the standings and implications for the table and things like that, I have to imagine this is up there with one of the most important. Um, yeah, and so. most consequential. For sure. Yeah, and I think it was really important for Madison in this match to not only make a statement on the end scoreline, but to, in order to do that, to get out on the front foot and sort of make a statement early on that they were yes. – they were going to be the uh, the team with the sense of urgency, right? And they they definitely showed that. I mean, poor Abdul Mbakajam. Oh man, he had two goals at half. I mean, he basically did score two goals at half. Both of them waved off for offsides. Uh, but that showed just the the attacking prowess that Minnesota or that Minnesota that forward Madison had in this match, where they were on the front foot, they were attacking, they were making things happen, they were getting in solid goal scoring positions. They were putting the ball in the back of the net, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, maybe a little too eager. Or Richmond did a good job with well, the offside trap, whatever it I is. I don't know, though. I don't know. The first, the first one. Well, the second one was not offside. The second one was a handball, as it turns out. We, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle, our friend Kyle Carr, 
uh, on the forward backwards podcast um, was saying that, that it was, it, they were attacking the flock end. So some of the flock members were able to see it pretty well. And Bakajan mm-hmm. apparently did come off his elbow or, or forearm or something. And, yeah. and Bakajan did not argue that too vociferously. So it did seem to be a, a handball, a accidental handle, handball situation on the second one. Uh, but that second goal, I mean, Goal or not, the buildup was nice. Right? It was nice oh, to see man. Alvin Jones get a yeah. would-be assist. The first one, however, Mikey Maldonado man. doing all the work, and he is, he is in good form right now. Uh, dribbling past four defenders on the left-hand side, slots a perfectly weighted ball through to Bakijam, and Bakijam is he's sitting pretty kind of deep, uh, about probably 25, 30 yards from goal, with his back to the goal. Uh, and a defender on his back, and he does that kind of a spin uh, and like a kind of a button hook to get around that defender, and and makes his run keeps his run really flat uh, along along with the defenders, so that when Mikey slots the ball through, he can go get it. And I do not think he was offside. Like no. I looked at it, uh, it, it, the camera angle is always tricky, obviously, but I I just don't see it. I just I think he was very careful to make a, a pretty lateral run at first to keep it flat and to keep it against the back line, but. But the flag went up, uh, and but in regardless, it doesn't count for Mbappe Jean. But it, it it's really nice to see him in really excellent form. Yeah, I mean and, a couple and, really and good finishes nice finish. on those non goals too. Yeah, uh, yes. it, it, it's it, it bodes optimism moving forward. Right, that and and, and, and of... you know, and and one thing that 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 did um, that you notice is that Richmond were, were, were building up on the, on the wide spaces, right. They were pushing out wide and mm-hmm. um, with Maldonado, especially with as well as he's playing and as well as he's able to hold possession and then Gebhardt and Roger Smith on the other side, um, Bakijam did was, was able to stay really high, right. He was able to park himself yeah. alongside the back line so that he wasn't having to c- track back to connect to the buildup, which, we talked about this last year with Terzaghi. All, all Terzaghi ever does is be in the right place, yeah. right, uh, uh, for Richmond. And he scores all the goals because he's always in the right place because he doesn't because he's not tracking back to join up with the buildup because he's always able to be high and push forward. And Bakijam this game was really able to do that. He was able to kind of park himself really as high up as he could be and be in those good, dangerous positions to score those two non goals, which was really yep. – Really nice to see that that the whole the whole thing is coming together really nicely, and and as a result, Madison was the better team the entire first half. But you then know? one of the reoccurring uh, issues, <laughs> if you will, for this team yep. reared its ugly head once again. <laughs> mm-hmm. A stoppage time first half concession. Uh, this was uh, you know from the foot of uh, Niall Vinyals. I apologize if I'm uh, butchering that name, uh, but he uh, he gets a long ball on the left. And he sort of feints towards the center and gets Awo leaning a little bit to his right, pulls the ball yeah. back towards the center, has a go. I mean, it's a really, really nice shot. Um, yeah, it's a good, and, good finish. Mean, not much you can do. I mean, obviously you want to close down and, and, and cut off the space a little bit more and not allow him the opportunity to size that one up. But at the end of the day, that's a, that's a very, very clinical finish from not close range uh, to get the, uh, get the first goal right before half. Yeah, and it, it resembled the the equalizer that Tormenta scored. I mean, when you when you mm-hmm. have the three the three across the back, and then Awo in front of them, and then you your wingbacks are dropping back. There are a couple of really pockets of space in those channels uh, on on the 
on the left side of the right side as you as you come closer to the center. There's a couple of pockets that ends up with some gaps there, and yep. and Vinyls was able to exploit one of those gaps, especially because, like you said, Wheels got himself leaning a little bit, thinking Vinyls was going to go to this corner, mm-hmm. and and Vinyals just exploited that and got Wheels kind of turned around and got himself just enough. Didn't get a lot of space, but with a guy like Vinyals, he doesn't need much. Right, no. and he's able to skip it past Breno, and uh, we go into the break down one nil. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point that it did look very very similar to that equalizer, and yeah, um, you know I would I I don't know what to do because like with the three at the back, it really sort of handcuffs you in those scenarios where what do you yeah, do? Yeah. do you do you want to do you want to stay back or do you want to press up, cut off the space, and potentially leave room for a runner coming into the box for a much more easy tap in type goal? So. It's mm-hmm. uh it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, but right. a really, really nice shot and a really nice goal for Richmond. Unfortunately, it's Madison again conceding right before the half. Um and Rob, you have here on the cross, you or you have here on the cross on the um on the notes that <laughs> a lot of crosses that for Madison sent in, but again, just a touch too high. Maybe yeah. a collective growth of about two inches for this entire Fort Madison team. It's not the first <laughs> yeah. time you've mentioned that on this podcast. Yeah, no, we we are. One thing we're lacking is a lot of is size and and mm-hmm. and height, and and you see that when in a game like this, uh, when you end up get we ha- I think we had like twenty one crosses, uh, which mm-hmm. about eleven connected. Um, I mean, the, uh, the biggest one of all comes at the end, you know, in, for the second goal. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but Richmond was playing really well defensively. And Akira Fitzgerald, of course, as a goalkeeper, is annoyingly good, mm-hmm. right? Um, as we mentioned, Madison is, was on the front foot all day long. Ended up with 20 shots, six of them on target. And it, it wasn't really like, you know, there are times when we feel like Madison's creating finishes and just can't finish them. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that. I think we, the finishing was like very, very close to being there. We were Madison was yeah. doing everything right. But Richmond's defense was just really, really disciplined, especially after they got the goal. In the second half, they're like they're they were very much they're compacted it and they were trying to lock down uh, and basically concede possession, but lock down and play really good defense, which forces Madison wide, which forces our defend our our attacking players wide and into crosses, which are just inherently lower percentage than you know the shorter passes, the through balls, um, yeah. especially when our midfielders and attackers are all under six feet tall. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think Strang. Really, I think Strang is like six two or something. But, but uh, I mean, we we were just just so close and almost uh, just almost getting them. Um, but when we finally get to the 79th minute, we don't need need a cross to score the first no. goal. Um, we really did, we did have uh, yeah, really good build up. Alan Torres, uh, who is. This is past couple of games really showing his stuff. I mean, he's he's the youngest on the team. He's the only guy on the team, I think, on his first pro contract. But he is showing that he deserves that contract. Yeah, he does a really really good job on the left of holding possession as he's sort of being tripped and stumbling, but he's able to hold and get the ball to Roger Smith uh, on the left. He takes a couple of touches across the top of the box and gets it over to Cassini, where we we almost that exact same buildup we saw. A couple of games ago, and Cassini yep. ripped one, ripped and scored. That was the, the the very early goal, the second minute goal. Um, uh, and and so you thought maybe Cassini was going to take a rip, but he. Um, it's a beautiful thing to watch if you watch the highlight again, because Cassini just stands up and and Jeremiah Strang like points to where he's going, 
and starts a diagonal run into the box in front of Cassini. And Cassini holds the ball up for like two and a half or three seconds, which doesn't seem like a long time. But when you're watching it, he stands there with the ball very patiently, ton of composure with a defender in his face and just slots of in, – and as soon as he sees that run develop and he sees Strang just get a, a step on the defender, slots a perfectly weighted ball only six or seven feet probably, I mean, a couple of yards into the box. But it gets to exactly where it needs to be. Strang, one touches it on kind of while he's spinning and falling down. Interestingly, if you watch Strang, never looked up. No. He knew exactly he where he was. He instinctively knows where to put the ball. It's not the Absolutely. first time he's done that this season, too. I mean, he is exactly one of those right. just guys. He knows where he's at. He knows where the goal is. I mean, yep. it's literally, for some of these guys, it's just purely instinctual. They don't need to look up. Yep. Well, the, Either it has a uh, photographic memory. Or just the instinct. <laughs> I will have to ask him yeah. if we can get him on the, next time. Next yeah. time you talk to him, Rob, I want to know. Next time he comes on, uh, but, but um, yeah, Nazim Barman talked about that a few weeks ago on the on the on the program on the podcast. He, that that it's just you do that long enough, you know where you are on the field at all times, yeah. and and you know exactly where the goal is, you know exactly what angle you need to strike the ball, and he struck it exactly right and beat Fitzgerald to the uh, to the far corner, and we're level. 79 minutes into this match, finally, like you knew it was coming. Like you, yeah. it was deserved. You knew it was coming. They were knocking on the door all day long. And it was just such a nice team goal. Really good build up. A really nice pass in from Cassini. Um, and then just uh, two minutes later. Um, yeah. Oh, and, but I want to mention also it, on the broadcast, I wasn't, uh, Matt, after this match, there wasn't really a press conference. Matt just wanted to get everybody into the locker room really quick. I don't know exactly why, but mm-hmm. I didn't, so I didn't get to ask about this. But if you watch on the broadcast, as they're getting reset after that goal and they're getting to restart, you can see Cassini looking over to the coaching staff and like tapping himself on the chest, like saying, "Like I got the next one. Like I'm going to get <laughs> the next one." That's awesome. And it's just like Babe Ruth calling the shot or something. It was just yeah. incredible because because then he um. <laughs> uh, Two minutes later, um, Roger Smith gets the ball toward our defensive third and carries it all the way up. Now, as we mentioned, Richmond is packing it in, right? Richmond is trying yeah. to get out of here with a point at this point. So they let him bring it all the way forward. Nobody challenged the ball. They were just on skates going backwards, and he's able to just roll downhill and just eventually lays it off to Cyrus Rod on the left, who just one times the cross in low this time <laughs> and uh jeremiah strang makes a run toward it uh pulls one defender the simon fitch goes with strang and that leaves cassini who's also by the way not particularly tall he's like five six or five seven mm-hmm. uh, but he's one-on-one uh with um with Stuart ritchie and cassini it, it, every once in a while we talk all the technical tactics we want but every every once in a while it's who wants it more and Cassini wanted that one more and got right around Richie's shoulder and headed it in. And then we got to see, uh, we got a really good look at Cassini's very impressive. <laughs> that to me was the best part of that was the, uh, was the celebration. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. And, whipping the jersey around, right up in the air. And it, and it shows what it means to this team too, right? I mean, this is a team that, oh, yeah. that's really, I mean, we talked about the coming together of this team, but this is a team that you can tell that they've, with their results early on, they've been desperate for these points, desperate for these wins, desperate for these moments, and they're finally starting to get them. Things are really starting to click, and that winner, to do it like that where it's happened to them so many times. Yeah. 
where they're take they take a lead into the 80th plus minute and they just can't hold it and oftentimes can't even hang on to a point in those scenarios um yep. to finally have it flip like that and to get those two goals in two minutes and really sort of solidify yourselves as you know okay we're we're a team to beat like we we're we're downing richmond in the henny derby they're top of the table but we just scored you know we just scored twice in the 80 plus minute to mm-hmm. win this one like that is just one of those moments where you, it, you'll look back at the end of the season if, if madison is able to sort of continue this run finish it off go to the playoffs maybe they have a run whatever like that's one of those moments that's going to go on the season highlight reel right oh, for sure. Uh, game winning goal, taking the shirt off. I mean, it's just, he'll probably get, he, he got carded for it, I assume. Right. But, oh, yeah. um, it, it's still just, it, it's awesome to see how much these guys want it and how much that, that they, uh, are just the, 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 comp, the competitive aspect, but also having fun with it too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of that perfect, that perfect storm, the best teams they are competitive, but when it's going well, they'll, they'll show you how much fun they're having. Exactly. And that's exactly what for Madison was doing uh and and this match against richmond at the end really really good now they did still have 10 11 minutes to see that out and richmond did get some set pieces so we have two the two main problems are conceding late goals defending set pieces so you had a couple Mm -hmm. two or three corners in the end you had a a, a in stoppage time you had a free kick right outside the box questionable foul call but Mm -hmm. uh richmond put it directly into the wall and um and that was it. They were able to see it out and and stay staunch and stay strong and and see it out and get the get massive, massive, massive three points. Um, and just an overall excellent performance. The last time we beat Richmond, um, it wasn't the best performance, and they were able to kind of gut it out. You know, they, they didn't yeah. play as well as they should have, but they still managed to get that one nil victory. This time, they were clearly the better side, clearly a better team. Passing accuracy, eighty four percent. 20 shots, six of them on target as compared to only eight for Richmond. Uh, one of them on target. They took, I mean, Tazagi was not a factor. Uh, you know, it was Vinyals who scored. Uh, Tazagi just I, he had very few touches even. Uh, so they, they, they had a game plan. They executed it well. And, uh, and they, got the, they got the three points that they deserved out of that one. We talked about the Tormenta match just last week, Rob, where they gutted mm-hmm. out a draw despite a lot of the guys not not being on their game, not playing their yeah. best. Yep. Sort of an off night. This was an on night. Roger um, Smith, Cassini, Strang, Maldonado. You know, so many different guys were just really, really on their game. And it was it was a showcase of what can happen. You know, yeah. even even Mbake Shaham, Cyrus Rod. Like, I mean, all these guys were just sort of on their game, you know, playing up to their full potential. Um, and it was just really, really fun to watch. I, I had a lot of fun. this. I don't mean anything bad by this, but I can't remember. Like this is that's the most fun I've had watching a Ford Madison match in, in a couple of years. Like it was just, it, I don't know. It was it was just a really complete performance, start yeah. to finish, seeing it out, scoring late, um, just overall, and, just and creativity, awesome. and it was just like. You talk about you know, the, earlier on in the season, things were just boring, right? But now things are really—it's just fun to watch. And even if you even if you lose, you get a draw in a game like that. It's fun to watch, at least. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Twenty shots to eight, six on target to one, eighty-four percent passing accuracy. I mean, on the stat sheet and in the in the eye test performance, all good for for Madison. Yeah. Uh, but then, unfortunately, there was another match on Sunday. Uh, not so third- much fun. Yeah, not as much fun. No, third match in seven days. 
Um, and obviously Ford Madison was going to have to do a lot of rotation in this, uh, in this, uh, in this scenario. Um, lots of guys with the, you know, with the chance to show that they deserve more playing time, but, uh, you know, uh, I'd say a lot of those guys didn't get that done. Um, and no, really. I don't know if it was, if it was fatigue, if it was rust from some of the guys who haven't gotten a chance, if it was just playing Charlotte on the wrong night. Uh, yeah. travel. I mean, you could chalk it up to a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it goes down as a six, two loss to the Mingos. I don't know how much in the nitty gritty you want to, um, uh, I think we can mention, yeah, I think we mentioned a couple of things. There were eight changes in the lineup, like you mentioned a lot, just, uh, and we can complain about the schedule and the fact that you're doing a Thursday, Sunday, uh, turnaround, which when you have to travel, you lose a day to travel. Like there's just no time to recover. There's just no recovery mm-hmm. in that you know, going from Thursday to Sunday. So, um, it's not, it's unfair. On the other hand, Charlotte had just played on Wednesday. So they only had one more day than we did to prepare for this mm-hmm. match. Um, but so, you know, you make excuses all you want, but still it was a pretty embarrassing performance. And like you say, um, a lot of guys, those seven or eight of those guys had a good opportunity to prove themselves and kind of didn't do it. Um, the mm-hmm. Charlotte's first goal, you hand that one to Brino. He's a bit casual, trying to play it out of the back and it gets picked off his foot. He had one moment earlier than that earlier in the match where he was, had ranged outside of his own box and had to kind of hurry to get a pass out to the, out to Christian Dean. Uh, Cause he was under pressure. And you wonder if the scouting report on him is that he gets a bit too adventurous at times and, and gets a bit too casual and you and can, you know, buckle under pressure, which is exactly what happened in that first goal. After that though, it's it was the the, the back line that the the uh, Charlotte just had acres and acres of space on the left hand side mm-hmm. all night long. Cesar Murillo playing defense on the right on that side, and Derek Gebhardt at the wing back. They just were not on the same page, like, and we're just all always out of position defensively speaking. The back mm-hmm. line, and then the back line with Tim Wea in the middle, who hasn't played very much because he's been injured, and Christian Dean on the left, who just joined the team the other day. You know, they just weren't a cohesive unit at all. So you, you give them a little grace for that, that they just not play together. Um, and uh, and then just the co- connectivity between the midfield and the back line just was not there. You, you can just tell these guys hadn't played in, as this unit before. So, uh, you know, give, give credit to Jeremiah Strang, who had the, the nice chip goal to get him back in it in the first half. Roger Smith with a really nice solo effort goal in the second half. Um, you know, a little bit of bright spot. Once you're in, in that situation, you're down five to two or whatever it is. You can mm-hmm. try if you think you can try something different. They did try. They put in Cyrus Rod for Derek Ebhardt mm-hmm. uh, as a to try him at a wing back, which Neil uh, Lavity had mentioned that as a possibility. Because think about Cyrus Rod is he's tall. Uh, yeah. He's a little bit. He's he's a he plays primarily as as the left hand center back. Uh, but has been a little bit prone to defensive lapses, right? He'll lose mm-hmm. concentration a little bit or, or, or whatever, but his passing has been so good this year. Like he's at yeah. like 90 something percent passing accuracy out of the back and on long balls. And, and, and he's been dropping long balls on a dime all year. So you have to almost for, for, for moving forward purposes, you don't want to take him out of the lineup. So if you can try him as a wing back where he doesn't have as much defensive responsibility, but can use that passing skill, you know, why not? And he seemed to do okay there for those last whatever 20 minutes that he got. 
So, you know, a little experiment there and we'll see what happens. We'll see if he ends up getting some more time in that position. Uh, but in the end, it's a, it's a rough yeah. one. It's you lose six to two and you forget it and move on. I mean, both you goals are really nice, right? I mean, Smith and Strang both had, uh, both had nice, uh, nice goals. And then, yeah, I mean, look, you get the 10 points that we wanted to see out of June. Obviously it's not the way you want to end the season or end the season end the month. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's Charlotte has been known to put up some numbers this year. Obviously they weren't yep. coming into this match in the best form, uh, but they, they are capable. I mean, I believe they put up, you know, this isn't the first time they put up six. I believe they put up seven. Well, I think there was a seven to one. Uh, they were on the, they were on the losing end of that one. Oh, they say they're on the losing end of seven. Never mind. Yeah. No, um, but, but early in the season, they were putting up three and four. Yeah. Without much trouble. Consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it was almost like, you know, you, you play FIFA and you like put it on easy mode and <laughs> yeah. like you're just running with the ball and there's nobody around. That's yep. kind of what it felt like watching this mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. where, you know, after it got to be three nil, I was sort of only half paying attention. Yeah. Uh, but I would look up and there would just be a Charlotte guy, you know, the, the, whether it was off a turnover or through a buildup or whatever, but he's, he's crossing the midline and he's got the ball. And there's not a, not a Mingo within 10 feet of him. Yeah. And right. it's just, man, that was consistent all night long. So it definitely was some miscommunication. You can definitely tell guys were paired together and, and, and put together in the lineup that weren't used to being together because um, there was not cohesion at all. Uh, and, once among, you, and like you say, once you once you're down three nothing, we're not paying attention. They're not paying attention. Like nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know the the what strikes me though is that understanding that this was all kind of bench players. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. reminded of yeah, this is before your time probably, but 2019, North Texas was obviously the best team in the league. They were obviously going to win it all. Mm-hmm. Um, mid season, like in July or something, they come to Madison and we beat them four to one, and everybody's it's a big, big deal. Cause we knocked off the big guys and they made shirts that said mess with Texas and stuff. And, yeah. uh, but what you forget is that they basically brought their B team that day for, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but there's no Ricardo Pepe. I think Ronaldo Damas played, but not the whole game. They had only like two or three subs available. They had a 38 year old assistant coach playing midfield. Like it was just not their full team. And, but, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll take it right. It's, we still beat their, we still beat them. We still got the three points. So I think that's how Charlotte's going to look at this game. Like they don't care if it was the B team, we kick your ass. You know? yep. And it's three big points for Charlotte too. I mean, they, they're they looking to uh, you know, finish in the top half of the table, top tier of the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't good, but I think you you can take enough positives from the Richmond match and from overall in June and translate those into into, into July. Oh, yeah. um, depth may be a little bit of an issue with this team moving forward. Um, you know, you you bring in a lot of guys, and that automatically things like okay, we'll have some depth. That's not yeah. always the case. And when you talk about who's well, capable and who's able mm-hmm. to really give you a good shift and sort of keep up what what your team is doing, I think. You have maybe about you know 14, 15, maybe maybe sixteen guys who you can uh, you know you can turn to in total when you talk about your starters and your subs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not ideal, but you can still bring guys in off the bench that you can count on. But it's really, really going to be those same guys, right? And and what you what you're trying to do is is make like one or two changes from one game to the next, mm-hmm. not eight. Yeah, right. I mean, I think changing eight. Uh, I don't know that any team's going to have the depth to really do that effectively. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so coming up in July, a little, a little month preview here, Northern Colorado on July 5th, 
Um, Hailstorm made a uh, critical error here, Rob. Uh, and this yep. is this is your writing in the notes. Um, handing out the Vuvuzelas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the Vuvuzelas either. Um, I still have uh, I still have nightmares about the uh, 2010 World Cup. I'm- they're, they're, they're giving they're giving thundersticks and Vuvuzelas to the first 300 fans, and the Vuvuzelas are just going to energize Nazim Bartman, and he's going to score a hat trick, and we're going to win that game. There That's go. how it's going to go. Uh, that, I mean, that is – I mean, if you want to annoy the entire opposing <laughs> team, and probably your own team too, that's a good way yeah. to do it. So it's the ultimate equalizer, if you will. Right. Um, and then you get three home games after that one. Um, you get 11 days off after Northern Colorado, which is – uh, big, um, big for rest, obviously, after a very, very busy June. Um, but um, July 16th, you're at home against Tormenta. Um, you have the friendly on July 20th, yep. uh, but then you're back at the uh, in League One play against Union Omaha on the 26th at home, and then you host Northern Colorado on July 30th to uh, close it mm-hmm. out. So, four matches. Um, what do you think, Rob? What's the uh, what's the point total that you think Ford Madison needs, and what do you think they're going to get? Well, considering how the top of the table guys are, are continuing to play, um, Greenville um, won again on Wednesday night of this week, so they're six points clear of us now. Um, I think you got to get – I feel like you have to get nine points out of July at least. If you can get – if you can win three of those four games, um, I think – I think you have to do that to keep pace. Yeah. Uh, and I think they can, I think, I think we can go to, <clears throat> on, on, on basically it, that's the other thing. We got 11 games, 11 days between Northern Colorado and Tormenta, but we also have nine, nine days, 10 days between this last game in Charlotte and the North mm-hmm. Colorado game on Tuesday. So you should be well rested. <clears throat> you should be able to put out your, the starting 11 that just beat Richmond rather than the starting 11 that just lost to Charlotte. So, um, and, and, and <coughs> excuse me, and three games at home mm. in front of the flock, in front of thousands of fans. Um, I think uh, I think those games are winnable. I think we can do it. I think we can get nine points out of July. Yeah, I think I think nine is is the number um, that 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 threshold that you want to hit. Um, obviously, Northern Colorado, you're going on the road. It's going to be a weird environment. Um, you know. You chalk that one up, but I, I would love to see them really bounce back from the Charlotte match and, and make a yeah. statement on the road there. Um, but then, I mean, you're facing a couple, you're facing Tormenta, and then you're facing a really good Union Omaha team as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you're going to make it four for four, but I think nine is a very good and fair benchmark of uh, you know for this team. So yeah. uh, we'll see what they're able to do as they navigate their way through the month. Uh, but Rob, let's go around the league here. I will start. With Greenville and the aforementioned Northern Colorado Hailstorm. Uh, on Saturday, Greenville had all the chances in a two to one win. Uh, they couldn't convert those in the first half, but Don Smart converted a penalty early in the second. Northern Colorado answered with a great header from Irvin Para. And then Jesus Sabara had the answer to the answer for Greenville. All three goals came in a uh, 10 minute stretch early in that second half, but it is Greenville with that two to one win over NOCO. Uh, Chattanooga one, Tucson two. Uh, upset of the year in the league so far? Question mark. Maybe. Uh, Luis Perez gets Tucson on the board with the in uh, first half stoppage time. Uh, Fernando Garcia in his Tucson debut scores in the second half. Red Wolves did get one back in stoppage time, but obviously not enough. Big win 
for Tucson, but even even more so, a big loss for Chattanooga. Yeah. A lot of those teams in the mid upper tier of the table now, um, you know, licking their licking their lips a little bit, saying, "Okay, like we, you know, this is the team that we could hurdle potentially after this loss." Yep. All right, Tormenta and Omaha. Uh, Omaha comes away with a three-two win. Um, it was the usual suspects for Omaha. Uh, Skiers with two, including a penalty, and then Brito with another. Uh, Tormenta, an own goal and stoppage to pull it to 3-2 and came about six inches from the equalizer on a free kick in the 95th. Uh, Omaha escapes with all three points there on the road in Tormenta. Uh, and then Fuego getting a big win over North Carolina, 3-2. Uh, Maxi Shinfield uh, gets the scoring started with a half volley across his body from about 30 yards out. And then uh, Ola, or how do you pronounce Olex Anderson? I always heard Olex. Olex, Olex Anderson. Anderson. There you go. Learn something new every day on this podcast. <laughs> Olex Anderson gets the equalizer, but then it's Christian Cheney that gets one in first half stoppage, and Anderson gets a crazy pinball shot to go in for what would prove to be the winner for Fuego, three to two against North Carolina. And uh, going around Wisconsin, we've been talking all season about Milwaukee Bavarians and their run to the USASA Region Two. Uh, Amateur Cup, and they are now the champions of Region 2. The 3-2 win over Adria uh, in, at SeatGeek Stadium in Chicago. They will head back to Chicago, to the Chicago area, for the National Amateur Cup Finals uh, August 6th and 7th. Uh, the other three uh, regional winners are Northern Virginia FC, uh, Beeman United from Tennessee, and Los Angeles Strikers. They're all going to convene in Illinois uh, for the semifinals August 6th. And then the final August 7th. I don't know. The last two times that there's been a big soccer game on my birthday, I have gone. I went to the Minnesota United versus Portland U.S. Open Cup semifinal in 2019. It was on my birthday. What a game. I, I drove up there. It was a great game. Uh, Madison played at Omaha last year on my birthday, and I drove to Omaha. And the game didn't even count because it got canceled for weather. So now you got <laughs> the now you got the, the USASA amateur cup final on my birthday on august 7th maybe i gotta especially if milwaukee wins the semifinal maybe yep. i'll have to drive down and, and take that one in uh in wapasso there were two rounds this week the wisconsin primary amateur soccer league at midweek baron soccer team three nil over spartans uh spartan soccer team lobos fc uh hammer the poskin jets seven to one uh bateau beat hayward wolfpack two to one and then on the weekend it was lobos again get their fifth consecutive win 2-1 over Union Eau Claire. Puskin Jets bounce back from that 7-1 defeat, and they beat Spartan FC 2-1. And then Hayward Wolfpack at the clean sheet to beat Barron 3-0. So halfway through the season, Lobos on top with a 5-0 record yeah. and 15 points uh, and the game in hand. Bateau are also right there on top with 15 points and with a 5-1 record, but they have a goal differential of plus 24. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, and, <laughs> all right. And in the USLW League, Green Bay, Glory are the Lion Hunters this week. They get a big 3-0 win over St. Louis Lions on goals from Maya Albert, Skylar Prentice, and Ellie Benke. And then they beat the Chicago Dutch Lions 2-0 on a, a sixth-minute Golazo from Ellie Benke and another from Abby Gemza. And if you see, the uh, 11 Sports has these games sometimes, and the, the TV mm -hmm. production isn't that good. Uh, but they did uh, – the Glory did post 
uh, like a sideline video of this goal that that Banky scored, and it's it's a beauty from I don't know probably 23, 24 yards, but it she makes it look so effortless. Like she just sort of pokes the ball with her toe, and it just fly, flies and chips over the goalie, and it was just a beautiful goal. Uh, and 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 to get five goals and not concede any over two matches, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good week for Green Bay Glory. And we said that all they got to do is stay within five points of Aurora heading into that doubleheader at the end. And they are yep. five points back in the table right now. They do have one more match ahead of that final weekend uh, back-to-back against Aurora. Uh, they take on Chicago City on Saturday for a 5 p.m. kickoff. That's on the road. If they can get a win there, they will give themselves an opportunity. That Again, they would have to beat Aurora back-to-back on Friday and Sunday, July 7th and 9th to do it, but they will give themselves a chance to pull off a, a major sort of upset on the weekend and take that Heartland division uh, playoff spot. So, and what, and what, a, what a good opening season has been for the whole W league, right? The inaugural season, a lot of excitement. I think there's been at least two that I've seen USL W league goals in the sports center top 10, which are yeah. just incredible. I mean, what, what a, what a great, uh, great start for that, uh, for the women's sort of, Division three um, league there uh, in USL. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see with the addition of the Super League next year, mm-hmm. sort of how how the professional element uh, factors in, what teams from the W League may go to the Super League, what new teams um, you know are joining USL on the women's side. So, yeah, a lot of exciting things happening there. Um, speaking of exciting things, um, a great interview here to get to. Uh, State Senator Melissa Agard, um, talking about a, a lot of the important, uh, you know, bigger than soccer type topics this week. Obviously, top of that being the overturning of Roe v. Wade, what that means uh, for the citizens of Wisconsin and what she and her peers uh, there in the state Senate are doing and the fight they are fighting to try to make sure that uh, that people in the state have the uh, access to that safe reproductive care that they need. So um, great interview here between Rob and Melissa, and then Rob and I will be back on the other side to finish things up, as always, with our Fulmingo shout-outs and our fun fact. But we implore you to stick around for this entire interview. It's very important and very good. Um, So do that, and we will catch you in a few minutes. And joining us today, because some things are more important than soccer, State Senator Melissa Agard. Senator, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. And I just want to make it really clear that I am a huge fan of soccer and I love <laughs> that the Flamingos do call Madison home. Uh, so, but I, I do agree. Sometimes we need to talk about other things in order to be robust good citizens of our community. <laughs> robust. I like that. <laughs> um, so uh, what we're going to talk about is, uh, is this the, the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade that came down Friday. Um, now, we had some indication that, that this was coming, right? Were you surprised when you heard this on Friday? Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised uh, when the news came out on Friday. I think many of us were aware um, that this was going to come out because of the leak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that I was still chilled and, um, you know, really disappointed that yeah. we are going back in a time machine to hundred and 74 years ago or something like that 1849 i believe was when this original criminal abortion ban was passed in wisconsin and it's just you know it's chipping away at the freedoms of folks in our nation and in our state in a way you know it's not just this isn't just about abortion and um 
Yeah, it's it's a, it's a chilling reality. You say it's, it's not just about abortion. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What 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 are the next steps that you're worried about? Well, you know, even in um, the opinion that was drafted mm-hmm. um, by um, the Supreme Court justices, they talked about um, birth con- access to birth control and consensual sex between consenting adults as well as gay marriage. And, uh, you know, I just, I, this, is a, this is just a path to, um, in, for a government that claims that they're a small government to insert themselves into peace, people's individuals, our friends and neighbors and our own um, personal liberties and our freedoms. And uh, it's just, to me, it, it, it's chilling that what, uh, what door that they are cracking open and the potential uh, harm that this is going to do to people in our nation now what some have said is that this all this does is give it back to the states and the states have the power to legislate and codify the right to abortion and other reproductive health care services now that but that's that's not you know easier said than done as you mentioned um wisconsin has banned abortion since 1849 and that law was no longer enforceable after 1972 i mean it goes back to the very beginning of Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin became a state in 1848, right? A year later, they were banning abortion. And and uh, is that law, I mean, it's in effect now, but is it even enforceable as far as you know? So, yeah, that's a super good and important question. And actually today, um, I went to Milwaukee to hang out with our amazing governor and fabulous attorney general as they announced that AG Call um, issued uh, a legal challenge to that 19 or the 1800s criminal abortion ban that is on the books in Wisconsin. A criminal abortion ban that was on the books before women could vote um, when uh, people still owned slaves in our nation, right? Yeah. When only white men were elected officials, when our state was only one year old, as you point out. Um, and you know, the world is really different now than it was then. So uh, there is question that uh, those laws are not um, valid anymore. And the attorney general did announce this legal challenge today, um, questioning that uh, whether or not our state statutes, in fact, contain two different sets of criminal laws that are in direct tension with one another. One, uh, the criminal abortion ban from uh, the 1900s, and then, um, or the 1800s, sorry, and then also the more um, current legislation that is passed in Wisconsin that um, talks about uh, waiting periods and um, certain language that doctors need to use in, in doctor's offices and accesses to ultrasounds. And since those are more recent policies that passed um, here in Wisconsin, and they do talk about um, the fact that abortion is occurring, uh, we very much believe, and you know, I agree with the attorney general and really applaud him and the governor for, for taking the action, um, asking for the courts to clarify for us um, mm-hmm. whether or not uh, the more <clears throat> current language is actually um, the law of the land. And if that's the case, then abortion is not illegal in our state, but we do need, we do need clarity because we need to make sure it is confusing. It's confusing for providers, um, and it's also confusing for my friends and neighbors, and frankly, for myself. And we need to make sure um, that we do provide that clarity for everyone, um, mm-hmm. because 
um, it clearly is desperately needed uh, for all of us. And, you know, it's, I think this is an important tool for us to have in our toolbox. And I'm glad that, that um, we're going to have some, um, some light shined on this. Yeah. And to, and to be clear, the argument that the Attorney General Joshua Call is making uh, is that, <clears throat> that there are regulations about the provision of abortion services, which would, which, which in order for something to be regulated in that manner, you have to assume that it, it is legal. Right. That's and correct. That's, yep. that's so he's saying like, and, and so you can't regulate something while also simultaneously saying it's that thing is illegal. Um, it, and, and, and they also point out that you typically the most contemporaneous, contemporaneous legislation, the, the more recent laws are the ones mm. that you land on. So interestingly, as hard as that, I work to fight against <laughs> um, waiting periods and ultrasounds and, and language um, that doctors were being forced to um, read off to their patients. Uh, it's looking like that might actually work in our best interest and the best interest of folks in Wisconsin. But nonetheless, this decision that was made by the U.S. Supreme Court <clears throat> is chilling to, to folks all across our nation. I'm hopeful for folks in Wisconsin, um, but it is clear that we as um, citizens of this great nation have a lot of work we need to be doing. Um, will part of that work be to actually try to legislatively repeal that 1849 law, even maybe in parallel to this legal action? Yeah, absolutely. So Democrats in Wisconsin for a number of years have um, introduced uh, a bill uh, to repeal the criminal abortion ban um, to ensure that folks in our state have access um, to the freedom of reproductive health care. And there have also been pieces of legislation that I'm proud to support uh, that have um, tried to codify uh, access to abortion in our state constitution. But with the Republicans in control here in Wisconsin, we're not even allowed to have a public hearing. We're not even allowed to have public discourse on these policies, despite the fact that the vast majority of the people in our state do support them. So yes, we have a lot of work we can do in Wisconsin. There's things we could do legislatively. Um, but I also urge people on a national level to think about how it is, just because this decision was brought down by the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't mean that um, uh, Congress and the U.S. Senate can't take action and um, pass a law that um, makes sure that people do have access to abortion. We have elections coming up this November, right? Like we need to think about that as we're voting, um, what it is that we care about here. What, and what can we do in the meantime? It, it just feels like going the electoral route, going the legal route, going the judicial route takes just takes a long, long time. Uh, and especially with things, you know, gerrymandered the way they are. Um, what can folks do? What, if our listeners are just, what can I do right now? What, what would you say? Yeah. So what we can do right now is, um, first of all, it's okay to be mad and disappointed <laughs> and providing yeah. some um, uh, latitude to yourself and processing through all of the feelings is super important because if we're not taking care of ourselves, uh, we can't fight like hell. Um, to make the change that needs to occur. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, I think channeling that anger um, in a way that is supporting people who are on the front lines here. And whether it's supporting Planned Parenthood, um, you know, it's quite possible we're going to need people to sign up to be drivers to take patients to um, neighboring states to have access mm -hmm. to health care. Mm -hmm. Or um, 
um, donating money if you have extra resources in the bank um, to abortion funds uh, within Wisconsin and nationally or to groups like Planned Parenthood. And even at the personal level, making sure that you're going um, to websites like Aid Access um, and ordering an abortion right now um, so that you can have it in your home for when it is that you or someone that you love is gonna need to be able to have access to that. Because we do know that one in four women in our nation do um, access abortion services for themselves in their lifetime. And right now you can order that a chemical abortion and uh, you know it takes time. So uh, maybe, maybe make that order. And we, we also know that um, you can get plan B at, at the drugstore. And right now folks are, uh, a lot of the drugstores are starting to put uh, limits on how many um, packets of plan B that you can purchase. You know, that's, it, you know, we've gone from having shortages of toilet paper um, and people worried that they're never gonna eat bacon again. Um, but now really uh, this one's a big deal. Uh, making sure that folks have access to plan B. Well, so there's not to do as individuals, um, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I, you know, I think one thing I, I really want to encourage people to do is, you know, yes, you pointed out uh, legislation, legislative action, it, it takes time. And right now we are very gerrymandered, um, but we have Republican legislators in the state that are talking outside of both sides of their mouth. Governor Evers called us into special session um, and said, hey, legislature, why don't you take action on this? And in the Senate, I watched it happen in 13 seconds. They gaveled in and they gaveled out. Um, and then today, uh, Speaker Voss, after um, the Attorney General filed this challenge, says, oh, well, you know, why don't you let the legislature weigh in on this? You're trying to go around us. Um, you know, this, is, this isn't okay. Uh, well, you can't have it both ways, Robin. Uh, we we, we yeah. certainly need to make sure that um, we are holding these folks accountable. And with the elections this November um, here in Wisconsin, making sure we elect an amazing um, companion for Senator Baldwin at the U.S. Senate level and make sure that we are bringing back Governor Evers and Attorney General Call, because clearly they are um, standing between us and um, really chilling action. But the legislature in Wisconsin is super important because if, if we don't have enough Democrats, the governor loses his veto pen. Um, so making sure that we are supporting um, our state legislature candidates as well. But, you know, you're also probably very aware uh, we have the Supreme Court election that's coming up in April. And we do need to keep our eyes set on that because uh, there is a, you know, we have one of the justices that's conservative has announced she isn't running again. And we have um, some amazing candidates that are lining up to run um, that are much more pragmatic and on the side of Wisconsinites. So I, I do challenge people to stay engaged at whatever level they're able to um, and get us through these elections all the way into April of next year. You mentioned U.S. senators. There is some um, some thought that it is po it could be possible to codify access uh, at the federal level with only a few more Senate seats on the Democratic side. And we have a chance in Wisconsin, a really good chance to flip one of those seats coming up. Uh, and whether whether it's whichever, you know, Democrat ends up winning that. I will mention that there is one Democratic candidate who's often at four Madison games. Uh, so not, I'm not going to endorse anybody, but we're just saying, uh, you'll see them there sometimes. Um, but, uh, but that, but that's, but there, there are lots of different elections that you can affect. 
right? Like Absolutely. Support, yeah. Um, the local, your local races, your local state assembly and Senate races and the United States Senate as well. Yeah. And, you know, making sure that we do our homework and are supporting people, not just because they look good um, on paper because they have the best ad, but because you've actually done research and you know that they are going to continue to represent your values um, once elected. Uh, we have, you know, have folks that uh, act surprised or disappointed when people start showing their true colors. And uh, we need to we need to make sure that we're holding people's feet to the fire, so to speak. Well, State Senator Melissa Agard, representing the Wisconsin's 16th Senate District uh, for Madison on the road on Tuesday, northern Colorado, hailstorm. What's your prediction for the final score? Um, I, you're catching me off guard here. Uh, it's, it's, it's showing, I'm going to say, uh, the flamingos are going to be on top, uh, and it's going to be three to one. Three to one at Northern Colorado. You heard it here first. Senator, I appreciate your time very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Big, big thanks again to State Senator Melissa Agard for taking some time to join the show to not only talk about the important topics uh, outside of soccer going on and how they impact the people of Wisconsin, but also talking a little bit of soccer as well, maybe making some bold predictions along the way too. Um, and I'll, always a, an open invite uh, for Melissa to uh, to come back on, uh, on Talk and Flock. Uh, but as we always do, Rob, let's finish things off uh, first with our Fulmingo shout-outs. I will kick things off this week with the one and only Jeremiah Strang, the mm. finisher, if you will, um, with two goals on the week, two really nice goals too. We mentioned the the huge one against Richmond, but also uh, kind of under the radar in that 6-2 loss against Charlotte, a really, really nice chip of the keeper there um, for a goal. So a big week for him, um, and hopefully he can keep that going. My first shout-out is for the center back, Eric Leonard, uh, who – Played all 90 minutes as he has all season uh, in the win against Richmond. Uh, we mentioned Meliano Trezaghi was not a factor in that game, and that owes a lot to Eric Leonard, uh, keeping him in check. Uh, but also came out as a substitute uh, for the last 20 minutes of the Charlotte game uh, and you know, acquitted himself well uh, in that match as well. So, um, as always, he's a, he's a staunch, he's a stalwart, uh, and uh, big shout out Eric Leonard. Yep. Very, very deserved there. Uh, my second shout-out, Mikey Maldonado uh, for the second straight week. He's in my shout-outs. For the second straight week, he is the guy making things happen in the, mm-hmm. the build-up to the Madison attack. I mean, his ability on the ball to navigate through defenders, keep possession, um, get into those those really dangerous spaces to set up his teammates. He has been an absolute terror on that left-hand side. Um, you know, he's been great there all season, but just specifically over the last couple weeks, he yeah. has really stepped it up and been uh, just a headache for opposing defenses. So uh, another great week, another, at least another great match against Richmond uh, for mm-hmm. him. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my second shout out is for Roger Smith. Uh, he came in as a 70th minute substitute on Thursday. He was involved in both goals in those, mm-hmm. in that three minute span uh, and uh, uh, was integrally involved, right? He was, he was, he brought the ball forward. He brought the ball across to Cassini. And then he had that really nice uh, goal against uh, Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. Basically solo effort. He went on his own through the box uh, and dribbled his way through and, and scored. And um, uh, he is, uh, hasn't gotten as much playing time as I thought he would get. Um, but he, he's made the most of his opportunities and um, uh, a shout out to him. 
Third and final shout out. I mean, 4,000 on a Thursday night. How can I not mention the flock and the fans of Forward Madison? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a beautiful night, but it was also, you know, midweek. Uh, but it was a big match and everybody showed out in a huge, huge way. I mean, 4,000 yeah. plus at Bree Stevens uh, during the summer. Uh, can't think of a better way to uh, to spend a Thursday night, honestly, in Madison during the summer uh, and uh, a big win to boot. And so hopefully that support continues. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an electric atmosphere. My final shout out is to Brandon Mays, who runs the USL League One Review Twitter account. Uh, my shout out is to him because uh, he tweeted after Cassini's goal, after the second goal that, the, that ended up being the winner, he tweeted that he had just driven to the gym and like he was gone for five minutes and what the hell happened. So I tweeted back at him, get back in your car. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, you were in your car. We scored twice. Get back in your car. And he stayed yep. there. He sat there in his car outside the gym to the end of the game. Helped us see it through. Massive shout out, Brandon Mays. Thank you so much. Talk about a 12th man. My gosh. <laughs> Coming through. Absolutely. But seriously, though, if you don't follow the USL League One review, you should. Really, really smart yeah. tactical analysis um, and really interesting stuff. All right. Rob, let's bring it home as we always do. Full Mingo fun fact time. Okay, this is not a happy fun fact for it, it, I don't know how fun this is, but Sunday's result, the six-two loss, was a scoregami, meaning it's that's the first time that scoreline has ever happened in USL League One. <clears throat> but it's also tied for the most goals in USL League One game. Eight goals in a game. That's the most ever. It's happened three times. Uh back last year, Tormenta Fort Lauderdale. Had a 4-4 draw, which in its own, a 4-4 draw. Are you kidding? That's wild. Um, yeah. But then this year's happened twice. It happened twice last week. And Charlotte <laughs> was involved both times in consecutive <laughs> games. They lost 7-1 to Chattanooga, and then they came back and beat Madison 6-2. Eight goals, and they, <laughs> they were involved in both of them consecutively, just days apart. I don't know how I – don't, I don't know. That's a, that is a full mingo fact. Whether or not it's fun, I don't. I, I can't say. I think it's hilarious. Charlotte is just a team of chaos in this uh, USL League One season. You don't know what's going to happen. They could win four. Uh, they could win. Se- they could lose seven one or win six two. We saw both both ends of the spectrum. Right. Um, well, and that, and, you know what's interesting is that was kind of the the reaction on Twitter among neutrals uh, mm-hmm. is was like was it, it wasn't that Madison sucks. Madison's terrible. How could you possibly get beat so bad? It's, it was more like this league is chaotic. Like this league yeah. is crazy. You know, like you, you beat Richmond one day and three days later you lose 6-2. Like what, what's going on? Who knows anything? So, so yeah, it is. It's a crazy league. The table's still really tight. It's still up for grabs. We still got a lot to play for and a long, long season to go. Absolutely. All right. That is where we will end talking flock this week. Big thanks again to Melissa Agard for joining the show. Big thanks to, of course, Rob Chappell for co-hosting. And big thanks to all of you for listening enjoy uh i guess yeah we will be back after the northern colorado game i believe that that works out right it's on a tuesday we record on wednesdays boom sure all right so we will have a game to discuss next week so enjoy that one on the fifth we'll be back on the sixth with a brand new episode and uh enjoy your fourth of july weekend guys uh have a great time and we'll catch you next week for another edition of talk to block see you